everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Today we're going to talk about what I think is a really fascinating sector of the internet and a fascinating sector of the uh, kind of self-help guru, kind of self-improvement type influencer, uh, but more so than the Rachel Hollis's of the world that pander toward growth hacking and growing your business and uh, almost like the more boss babe angle. I, I want to talk about people who are influential in the space of or sell like a commodified form of essentially what is the law of attraction of people who like coach and teach others about how to manifest the life they desire. And specifically not the people who do this in a well-intentioned way, because I am not saying that the law of attraction isn't valid. I think there's a lot of validity to steering where you stare. And we'll get into my windy, confusing spiritual commentary later. Um, Rather, people who exploit this sort of uh, unknowable, abstract concept in favor of their personal profit and use their own personal anecdote as a means to project onto the population that if it works for me, it can work for you too, in a way that can be dangerous or detrimental to a person that's in a vulnerable position. And that's typically who they're preying on, right? But the weirdness for me comes in where like, I'm not an expert on this. Like I'm not a a power manifester. I'm not like a high priestess or like, I don't know. I'm just interested in this and I don't know how to talk about it. And I feel incredibly dense like I'm speaking out of turn, kind of criticizing something that I maybe don't understand in full. But then part of this that's important to me too is like, well, your average passerby, your average audience member that's absorbing this kind of content consistently, like my opinion's valid too. And like what I glean from it and what I glean from it is a confusing combination of uh, like delusion, privilege, hope, and inspiration. And I don't know how to reconcile those things. And, you know, I call this manifest density, not because I hope people misconstrue it with manifest destiny. I'm I'm, I'm not that into 19th century ideologies about spreading capitalism across North America. That's kind of oddly rooted in religious beliefs. No, no. I I just feel like instead of providing clarity to a subject, which I'd normally try to do with a deep dive, I feel incredibly dense on this topic. And like, I don't know if they're the problem. Am I the problem? I, I don't have the answers, but I hope you'll join me and... I don't know, kind of a a messy meandering through something I just find fascinating on the internet right now. And I know you guys know my thoughts on like general coaching and its exploitative qualities. I don't like when it's appropriative. I don't like when it's exploitative and people sell these concepts that are pretty Googleable and they don't really add any unique value to yet do the manipulative things so many coaches do and hanging abstract things over your head and tell you they have the solution for it. It's like, very similar to our coaching conversations as it relates to MLMs and like Rachel Hollis and cults, but it's different in that it's almost worse to me in some senses, but I kind of decided to do this last minute and haven't thought a ton about it. And like, I don't have a, it's not, this is less of a think piece and more of like a, I don't know what to think piece because I don't want to make fun of things people believe. And I want this type of magic to exist in the universe, but I just think that people on my TikTok for you page specifically and my Instagram explore page, I am shocked by the number of honestly women that have these massive coaching businesses that are solely based on like supernatural concepts. They, they're, they're manifestation coaches. They teach people like the, the secret, the law of attraction and like use a lot of the same verbiage that I'll go through that like is kind of vague and cultish in its own way. It's not all wrong, but it doesn't feel right. 
there's no way to like consider yourself a credentialed expert in this field. And I think that it really works for people that were like born on third. And what bothers me is like specifically on my feeds is like it's people manifesting stuff you can't manifest that's personally offensive to me, like being more fertile uh, or manifesting like material things. Like who cares? You got a CRV because you work and can afford it. Uh, You didn't manifest a sectional sofa. Like there's just a diff. like let's not uh, misconstrue if we're going to say the law of attractions, a thing and you stare where you stare and you can have this magnetic force to kind of bring things your way through your thoughts alone. Like I can't prove or disprove that, so to speak, but I genuinely think it's pretty, it's almost sad to me when people feel like they have to resort to bragging about all the things they bought and then tell you they did it through spiritual means. Like here's a testimony. I, there's a webinar I took. Um, to manifest your desires easily and effortlessly. I took a vision board masterclass. <laughs> the last thing on my vision board was like, like I made this in 2019 for my live shows. And it was just a picture of Rachel Parcell's dog Dash and his dog shower because the dog shower in their mud room was nicer than my human shower. And I just wanted to aim in the middle. I just wanted to, I wanted my accommodations to be almost as nice as Rachel Parcell's dog, which I th- thought was like a fair contract to have with the universe. So far, it hasn't been working for me. Um, but I took this masterclass for like research, or as I like to call it, rage search. And um, this testimonial for the class is so frustrating. Uh, I'm pretty sure anyone who reads this will think it's fake, but I hand on my heart can promise it's true. When I first started working with this person, I was feeling really stuck in every area of my life. I was feeling I was trying to force so many things to happen, and she helped me stop pushing and start allowing. And the results were pretty unbelievable. In the first few weeks, I lost 10 kilos. Yes, 10 kilos. Really, really easily. Then I fell pregnant after trying for almost a year. A few months later, I got engaged to my partner, and he even surprised me with the exact ring I had visualized. And a few months after that, I had an amazing moment of clarity and inspiration around an area of my business I had been struggling with for years. I've since doubled our revenue in a few short months, and it's set to take us from six to seven figures in the next few years. So, to recap, out of this course, (laughs) to vision board, this woman allegedly got a baby, a partner, the perfect ring, doubled her business, is on, you know, projected to go from six to seven figures. Oh, and of course she also lost weight, because why wouldn't she? Her life is going swimmingly. It's like, okay... For this even to be believable, you got to only pick one figure. Like, did your biz grow several figures or did you work on your figure? I feel like weight loss and boss babing are two ends of the spectrum that for one course don't believably commingle and hit on like different issues, but whatever. (laughs) I keep using the word figure to like, you know, when older women like say things to you like that is such a fun top. I, I also feel like older women almost exclusively call bodies figures and it makes me laugh (laughs) like i could take i feel like i can take on the world when somebody's godmother at a bridal shower tells me i have such a cute figure i like you know what i mean um that's all i need in this world but anyways this testimonial you know unfortunately did the opposite it filled me with rage that this testimonial to me is an example of something disgustingly predatorily unforgivably targeting Cliché areas of unrest in women's lives, finding a partner, child rearing, financial security, our appearances. 
she makes herself a goddamn one-stop shop. Till you drop of remedying every conceivable insecurity with her overpriced courses from an uncredentialed person who is leveraging the supernatural nature of a subject matter like manifestation, law of attraction to overpromise, underdeliver, and then blame you for the lack of results, probably because you're blocked mentally or have limiting beliefs or something. And I'll get to more of that later. I think the reason like I struggle with this episode content is because it's similar to like cults and MLMs, but it's also a little different in that. How I actually don't like how people make fun of people with more new agey beliefs, not only because they're rooted in oftentimes Eastern and more ancient things than the people that make fun of them currently believe, but also because like, I don't know, who cares? Like whatever works for you, whatever provides healing. I don't care if it's a placebo or not, as long as it's not hurting anybody else. Like I don't make fun of the beliefs. I make, I want to just and analyze the way that they're communicated and delivered on social media and these quippy packages that really overpromise and mismanage expectations. I guess the two points I want to get across in a way I do not know how uh, is like, I have a genuine belief in like coincidences and synchronicities, knowing something's like going on that's bigger than us, but I have no clue what it is. Uh, and then simultaneously, my concern for people who exploit this unknowability for their own profit, as you well know. Because it's like, okay, when you think about it, what if I told you that everything you ever wanted was within reach? That your thoughts and your thoughts alone have the power to materially shift your circumstances? Like one of my hangups I've told you guys with like religion is people that just attribute the things that happen in their life, not to like actual material actions or their, you know, baseline they come from, but rather blessings. And it's this whole narrative of like believing in this God who plays favorites that, just because you're you, you deserve more than another person, which I just fundamentally struggle with. But manifestations, like, it's not like God's will. It's like you can will. you Whatever, like, you want to happen, you can will it. A little less John 3.16, a little more ask, believe, receive. Kim Zolciak Beerman. I mean, if God is a woman, more specifically, apparently God is a Beerman because... Have you guys seen the program she recently lost, launched? Uh, quick, quick detour, and then I'll get right back to it. She launched a spiritual academy to help others manifest their dreams. Um, it's $77 a month for a members-only community, and they want people that are truly passionate about improving their life, whether it's with their business or love life, their children, et cetera, broad. Um, it's, she's partnering with a healer who guides people in the process of transforming their lives, and it's for anyone who wants to increase their vibration and manifest their desires. And she also talks about people stepping into their power. It's the limiting beliefs of it all. The, people use the exact same jargon in, that are in the manifesting space, too. She said, I don't know if you are aware, but you align with whatever your dominant vibrations are. We all want you to vibrate on the same frequency of success, happiness, and abundance. And we are here to help you get there. It worked for me, and I can't wait till Sunday. Truly life-changing. It's, it's one of those funny things where, it, I mean, it's a tale as old as time that I anytime somebody, there are, of course, legitimate coaches, and there are people that have, you know, credentials and meaningfully help people with their lives and help them get organized and put things into action. But I think Kim Zolciak Bierman's version of this manifesting monthly subscription is just an interesting example of something, a business model she's repurposing that a lot of people do with a lot of the same language used that comes down to the same question I will forever have, which is like, if you have the ability to have a business with explosive growth. Firecracker emoji, firecracker emoji. <laughs> the dream life you desire. If you've manifested all this money and you know the secrets to life and love and abundance and happiness and success, 
then why not just keep it to yourself and like crush it in other industries? Like the irony of meeting your financial dreams via becoming a coach and then using that story of how you became a lucrative coach to coach people how to be lucrative in other industries makes no sense because your business is business coaching. Your business isn't having built an actual business. So if you're so good at the thing you're doing, why aren't you just doing it rather than teaching people about doing it? And I think KZB is a public example of a person who we can more tangibly see a shift in like media coverage or, you know, maybe business opportunities. So there's kind of this assumption as like, maybe she is needing some cash and that's why she's doing this. But I'd argue that anybody like most people who would venture into this as a way to make money are probably strapped for cash and then sure, make a lot of money selling a dream on this and are you know, justifiably sharing how much money they made as a business coach. What's hard is that I don't think people like see that up front because we could see like a public figure in a downswing needing money and be like, eh, we're skeptical of this. But all the other manifestors out there on the internet with multi-thousand dollar coaching courses are anonymous. We don't know their life story. We Their about sections are wildly vague. They, they brag about their success and material things on these modern millennial websites with squarespace minimalistic designs, muted Pantone desert hues, and these websites like radiate positivity and love and light and let me help you. And this is my calling to help other babes live out their potential. And they make it so damn hard to criticize them because they're so positive. And they'd accuse somebody like me of being like a dark passenger and doing shadow work. But that's the exact sort of gaslighting thing that suggests anyone with anything negative to say is fundamentally wrong, jealous of you, and is wrestling with their own demons. When I'm at, like, the only demon I'm after is trying to demonstrate some critical thinking in the people we blindly trust on the internet with our money, uh, who overcharge us for basic concepts rooted in super braggadocious personal anecdote that almost always, always leads with how many figures they've made. And I've said it once, and I'll say it again. If somebody introduces themselves and their personal boilerplate incorporates how many figures they make, run, run. That's not normal. I, I'd venture to call it ML embarrassing because I like I want women to be proud of their success. I want people to talk about money. But the, the, the cheese and manipulation of a personal sales pitch and having to shove that to the front of your intro is just like that limiting beliefs level of red flag to me that influencers in the spaces of MLM, self-help, and new age manifestation all have in common. I actually don't consider myself a cynic. Like I'm, I'm incredibly curious and I'm very open in terms of like, I, we live in a world where incomprehensible things happen and I can't digest all the bad if I don't believe in some intangible, impossible magic in some good that by my own moral code must exist in direct contrast for there to be balance. Like, I don't want to live in a world I can't understand unless my lack of understanding is due to my own density as a human, my own capacity to grasp the possibilities of the universe. Like, I believe there's something more at play here. We know energy is neither created nor destroyed. Uh, there's scientific elements, there's pseudoscientific elements, and then there's just straight up made up elements. And I don't even know where those all intersect. I have a whole episode series where I crowdsource from people signs, coincidences, synchronicities from the universe, because I've had those things happen. And I, and I believe in those things. And I believe in the truth of people who experience those things. And I don't know how it works, nor can I explain it. And I never want to suggest these things aren't possible. Like I'm down. I'm just, I'm, I'm open to anything. Like I, I, I you know, I, I believe in signs from people we've lost. I, I love a tarot card reader. Hell, I do ayahuasca if I were more comfortable expelling bodily fluids in front of others. Like I'm almost, uh, I'm this weird hybrid of kind of an uh, a curious a analytic and uh, discerning person in the body of like a, a seeker, a person obsessed with purpose. 
if this is helpful for anybody to categorize me, uh, I'm a Virgo, I'm an INFP, I'm an Enneagram 4 with a debatable 3 or 5 wing, depending on the test, I'll get both. And as you know, I most identify as a 1989 with a red rising and a reputation moon. <laughs> but the reason I say that is because I acknowledge that like people's faith and beliefs are something sacred and inflexible to them in many cases. I, for some reason, am highly malleable in this territory, but not because I don't take it seriously, but, but because it's something finding an ultimate purpose or meaning and linking my identity to it in a way is such a priority, a priority um, of a four. And I've felt this way my whole life. And I don't like, I'm not obsessed with the Enneagram by any means. Let's be honest, a four is a little tough. Uh, but I identify a lot of with this search for um, purpose and individuality. And um, anyways, I only share my classification because like, I'm not fancy free about spiritual things because I don't care or I'm a perennial cynic. Um, I'm flexible because I'm just like open to whatever being possible. And I respect whatever works for people. And I don't feel the need to unfairly, staunchly believe and project something onto people from my own experience so much as like, I think most people have good reason for why they believe what they believe. And I will forever probably be seeking to find what I believe because that's kind of embedded in my personality. Uh, I think by default, like I don't even need answers. I just like the process of discovery and experimentation. And my career is probably a, a testament to that. When I say believe what they believe, I don't mean like QAnon. I don't mean like kids being sold in lockers on Wayfair. Uh, I struggle, as you know, deeply with conspiracy theorists. Um, I don't think we should have to respect every single belief a person has about any old topic. I mean, more specifically, like your faith, like the things you believe that you would you ground your being in. It's similar to like our religious conversations. What is culture? What is doctrine? What are beliefs? What is behavior? There, We have to criticize things that have a level of sanctity to people because they are so important that there is potential for an abuse of power. And it's really hard to do it respectfully. And I don't know where to place this sort of new age influencer wellness vibe because for some people it's probably more religious and sacred. For some people it's more hobbyist. Who the hell knows? But yeah, part of my confusion, like in even just being a person that feels like they should be taking a leadership role or more of a hard and fast perspective sometimes, I feel like I'm wishy-washy because I, I struggle to reconcile that I'm both like open and lofty, but like I love research. I love data. I love science. I like evidence-based claims. <laughs> I, I have to acknowledge where the inexplicable can't have those things, but criticize categories where there should be those things to justify what you're charging for it or what you're claiming about it or when other people's health or safety or well-being is on the line because of your claims. I can't respect your lofty beliefs when they start to affect other people. But I guess that's where I draw lines because matters of the heart and the soul and the spirit are different from capitalism, are different from commerce. Um, I believe you don't need a yardstick of of metrics for how you need to live your life to be a certain type of person. But I do believe in the business world, if you are going to promise, nay, guarantee incredibly lofty things, you need KPIs, you need ROI, you need to be able to prove the value of your business and justify the dollar amount you are charging. 
And I don't care if that's your time or the customer's return or whatever metric you use to value it. I just think people, it's, it's I think this specific uh, manifestation type of influencer is capitalizing on something spiritual that will never sit right with me. And any argument against it will just look bad on my behalf because these people are like so positive and, you know, seemingly well-intentioned and all about the good vibes and the high vibrations. And I'm bringing them down. But I, I just want to be so clear with the audience. There's a difference between, between what you share with people and what you charge people for. I don't care if you believe any of this stuff. I don't care if you've experienced it. I don't care like what you do in your own time. I care if you charge for it. And you use sales funnily clickbaity tactics to prey on people's insecurities who you know are down and out, who want a shortcut, who want a quick fix. Using things like the testimonial I just shared. It makes me crazy. But I guess I should back up. I need to give you guys more tangible examples of what, what I'm talking about. I'm speaking in generalities. Today, I want to talk about this category of influencer that I see a lot on TikTok, on Instagram, that talks about being in alignment with the universe, that talks about manifesting their dreams, the law of attraction, that, that tells you that the reason they're successful is, and the reason that they're happy and fulfilled is that they stepped into their power, and you should too. There are flash tats and flash photography and ethereal photos in nature or near sunsets or in yoga poses and high word count captions with aggressive line breaks and sparkle emojis that talk about being in alignment, stepping into your power, being a goddess, operating in a high vibration, connecting with your highest self. Sometimes people ask me about my soul's contract and I'm like, I swear to God, if there's that much paperwork in the afterlife, like if I'm docu-signing, I'm not interested. If I, if I know my soul at all, we're very cash, very back of the napkin. Like I would have, my soul would never sign a binding contract for eternity. It's not really my vibe. And sometimes that would also make me be like, God, is my soul or my spirit guides, whoever, you know, is upstairs. Are they like, oh my God, does she really start? She started, she started, she started a podcast. She started a podcast. Everyone has a fucking podcast. Why did you have to waste your life? We should have never signed the back of that napkin. We agreed to do something purposeful, meaningful and sustainable. Which a lot of, you know, mortgage brokers don't love the career of a podcaster, but story for a different day. Some of these coach, I've been, I've been taking like webinars the past couple of weeks from different manifesting babes. And I don't say that in a derogatory way, but they use the word babe a lot. I've noticed. Um, so much of the conversation is about like the location that they live, the house that they bought, the cars that they drive the material things and mostly the money they've made. And when we get into manifesting money is where we, we have, we have a problem. Um, I guess to backpedal a smidge like the, this in Western society, at least was uh, majorly popularized this concept of manifesting law of attraction. It's not new, but kind of when it came on the pop cultural zeitgeist and radar was in 2006 with the self-help bestseller, the secret. Um, and I understand the appeal of this. I think, again, genuinely believe that when you focus and put relevant actions toward that focus, you're going to see results. <laughs> um, and I understand that like when we feel a loss of control, of course, it seems really appealing to be able to think your way to better circumstances. Um, manifesting by definition, if you will, is the ma materialization of a thought or belief into physical form based on the idea that our mind is a powerful tool for creation. Um, you know, you think of 
vision boarding, you think of uh, saying mantras to yourself, giving you know yourself positive affirmations. A lot of people write the same phrase over and over. I've been doing this one uh, girl on TikTok told me to do every single day. And so far it hasn't done anything, but I will eat my words if it does. It's about how the I don't find things, I attract them. What belongs to me will simply appear or something. Love the idea. Not going to buy your course, but appreciate the free intel. But as I talked about from Rachel Hollis and the Rose Colored Glass Ceiling, I kind of grouped some of these books in with the Girl Boss Movement, just in terms of my interest in self-improvement, self-help. Uh, but the majority of the books I was reading at the time, with the exception of Lean In and Kind of Girl Wash Your Face, were more so like manifesty spiritual books. Like um, I read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle or Tolle. I read, I mean, Gabby Bernstein's probably the biggest player in the space books wise. The Universe Has Your Back. She also wrote Super Attractor. I read You Are a Badass, Jen Sincero. I read Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments That Prove Your Thoughts Create Your Reality. Um, it's by a woman named Pam, whose last name I'm forgetting. Um, I've read, I, I, like I said, I'm down. Like I've read a lot of this stuff and some of it I get, some of it's anecdotal and specific to the author. I don't necessarily think the first book or first take is trying to exploit people, but I think the spinoffs kind of spread concepts a bit thin. Um, but I think it makes something that's pretty ancient in origin accessible to women who want more, who feel stuck. And if this is effective in getting them out of their own way, like, cool. Let me actually read you a little bit more background about The Secret, because I feel like I'm understating its role in the movement. This is from a Vox article by Rebecca Jennings I'll put in my um, work cited in the show notes. Uh, it says... When the Australian television producer Rhonda Byrne published The Secret in 2006, book critics responded for the most part by laughing at it. This wasn't necessarily unwarranted. Byrne's assertion that positive things will happen to you if only you think enough positive thoughts crammed with unscientific new ageisms that feel like truth no matter how untrue they actually are. Her central ideas fall apart with the tiniest prodding. People don't die of cancer because they fail to manifest enough positive thoughts to ward off disease, for instance. But it was the last... It was burned with the last lap. The Secret has sold 30 million copies since then and is among the most successful self-help books of all time. It doesn't take much critical thought to understand why The Secret and books like it, The Power of Positive Thinking, The Science of Getting Rich, Thinking Grow Rich, are so popular. They offer a portrait of the world that is extraordinarily alluring. One word, the only obstacle to achieving every dream we might have is to focus very hard on it, as though pretending like we're already gorgeous, successful, deliriously happy human beings. We'll make it real. Which is why more than a decade after The Secret, a new generation is discovering its central thesis, except on social media. On TikTok, teenagers share stories about how scripting or repeatedly writing down a wish caused a crush to finally text them back. On YouTube, vloggers lead tutorials on how to properly manifest your dream future. On Instagram, someone will write that $20,000 will soon land in your hands and all you have to do is comment yes. On Twitter, stands will ironically or not attempt to manifest the release of a new Lord album, which to be fair, did come out this week and, you know, Solar Power does feature a satirical song called Mood Ring about uh, New Age wellness. So not rock. <laughs> then they show uh, at Spiritful Thoughts posting something that says your energy is cleared. All your blocks are removed. $20,000 is about to land in your hand. Affirm yes. Flooded thousands. Five figures of comments. And it's like, oh, my God, what a pathetic grab for engagement. But it works. Um. 
manifesting or the practice of thinking aspirational thoughts with the purpose of making them real has never been more popular. From late March to mid-July, Google searches for the term have skyrocketed 669%. And shut up on manifesting is among the defining memes of 2020. Yet even pre-pandemic, interest has had been gradually rising since around 2017 alongside, alongside burgeoning conversations around wellness and self-care. At the same time as stereotypically woo-woo practices involving crystals, essential oils, tarot, and energy wavelengths were reaching the general consciousness, professionals and influencers touting these methods were making bank. Uh, but also, understandably, this had a boom during quarantine because this sort of thing uh, like thrives during uncertain times when you feel like you don't have a lot of options, right? Um, but like to give you guys some examples of how people do it, you, I, there, I mean, there's... It's kind of all over the place, like vision boards, intention journals. You can meditate, use affirmations. There's prayer. Um, it, it's it's not a religion in and of itself. It, it, it It's like a faith in uh, your thoughts or your, in your feelings about imagining yourself in like a better circumstances can yield positive outcomes. But it's like not an organized faith in and of itself. And one popular way it's done is... Uh, Five, 55 by five, you write out an affirmation 55 times a day, five times in a row. Let me see what the article says. Maybe there's, I, I'm, I'm by no means an expert. Scripting can either mean writing down your desire or writing down your desire precisely 33 times for three days. Uh, their manifesting can also be surprisingly mathematical. Very T-Swift. Do you remember, like, was it the What Would Jesus Brew episode? I, I Sometimes I, you know, when you remember something you said or did a long time ago and you shudder, um, that's like my entire life, uh, talking for two weeks and like getting to a place where I meet a deadline and I have no choice but to post it. And I like would have edited the shit out of it. Uh, I did that episode when I was sitting in like my sister's bed and visiting her in San Diego. And <laughs> I was like, wait, I haven't like, and then I listened to it to edit it and then never again. I can't, I'll delete it. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain, but I had a memory of like, oh my God, did I do a Pythagorean theorem? Like, did that happen? Did I go off on a Pythagoras tangent? <laughs> and I think I did. But why is that relevant to what would Jesus brew? That's so weird in retrospect. Anyway, uh, I was I was trying to make a case for numerology, I guess. I don't know. But uh, the numbers associated with manifesting the angel numbers sent from the universe allegedly are 1111 and 444. And you can also listen to special sound frequencies like um, 528 hertz is the love frequency. I actually like listening to YouTube manifestations to help distract my mind into sleep. And I kind of like the, the hertz, uh, like vibrational noise things, the binaural beats that you listen to with headphones while you're sleeping. I've used, there are ones that like, I, I like that help with like migraine or bad headache pain that almost like vibrationally drown out your ability to recognize how bad your head hurts. I know that sounds silly. Anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll dabble. I'll dabble for sure. Um, so there's like the, you know, visualization and manifesting piece. You can like Jim Carrey, write yourself checks of, you know, that anecdote he has about writing himself a check for the exact amount of money he later got. I, 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 I mean, like, call me that kid in blank check who I confuse with Richie Rich because I've written myself a lot of checks for a lot of amounts of money <laughs> Hasn't happened. Uh, but I arguably maybe I'm not trying as hard as other people. I don't know. But obviously, then the flip side of this is like the, um, you know, spiritual healing is one thing. But when it gets to a place of uh, people thinking that 
there's an element of like manifestation to medical illness or to healing medical illness, this gets to be a huge, huge problem. That's what teeters into the essential oils vibe of all of this. That is uh, like Sammy and I talked about. So right, it's left. You know what I mean? It's like, I think, I think we can, I think like faith and like science can exist together. They, they can coexist in a way that we should pay attention to respect and follow what modern scientific advances have taught us in a data backed way can cure and help certain circumstances that help, you know, prolong the living, uh, help keep us healthy and help society like move forward in its entirety. Uh, but when there's like these the opposite ends of the spectrum that like are in like almost either end of the political divide, uh, it, it like gets into this area of spirituality in the form of distrust for what we know to be true in favor of what we cannot prove whatsoever. And there just needs to be, there needs to be a balance. There needs to be a balance. This article just mentioned how it can seem like either super Christian or also like super demonic and witchcrafty. And now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if a lot of this stuff is on my For You page and it maybe isn't as prevalent on yours, but like I got really into witch talk last year because I'm just interested in people that, it kind of was along the lines of like cottage core cottage gore, goblin core, what we talked about. Like, I think cottage core was my pipeline to my for you page, having a lot of like pagan rituals in it. Um, witchy woodsy whimsy, you know, I blame evermore. Uh, and then I think that somehow translated to manifestation talk that probably also like transferred when I was doing a lot of like self-help commentary because TikTok knows all and here's everything. Um, but the, <laughs> The HBO show White Lotus, I did a Patreon bonus episode about it because I just I think it's really brilliant, especially in how it communicates uh, generational divide, divides among people that are all like theoretically liberal. But they're like, no matter what, we are just generation upon generation is just fundamentally not going to understand each other. But I, I thought it was funny how like when Nicole comes out to be like, this isn't really a spoiler. It's not that important to the plot. It's in the first episode to say like the dad doesn't have cancer <laughs> when Connie Britton comes out and he's like, uh, she's like, your dad just found out he doesn't have cancer. And Olivia's like, what? And then she's like, is something on fire? And instead of like, you know, they're, they're smoking like out of a glass bong, I think. And instead of like admitting what they're doing or making up like a believable lie, she's like, no, we're just doing witch witchcraft. And then Paula goes making offerings to Hikate. And the mom's like, Oh, well, isn't that great about your dad? And like something about that exchange was so funny to me. Like, it's just not weird for them to be doing witchcraft. Like she wouldn't ask any follow-up questions. <laughs> and their ASMR scene was just like too much. I'm like, oh, this is like modern day, uh, tight squeeze, cool breeze. Now you've got the shiveries vibes. Anyway, back to manifesting. So there's a lot of ways people do it. I don't really have a comment on like, if this is right or wrong, good or bad, effective or not. I I, I, I'm no expert. I'm not here to provide solutions. I'm here to provide commentary. And my commentary is I acknowledge how this can be harmless. Um, it looks like it, it looks like something different for everybody. Uh, it's not a religion, but I think that it connects and overlaps with a lot of like religious spiritual spaces. And even though it was popularized in 2006 by the secret, and I think uh, largely maintained in pop culture by like the Gabby Bernsteins of the world, like the Gwyneth Paltrow's, you know, the more new age LA centric wellness self-care movement. But a lot of the 
different practices that fall underneath what people write off as being new age woo-woo or things rooted in much more ancient, sacred, kind of cherry-picked spiritual practices from Eastern faiths that are hardly new. Um, But I think that in the context of manifestation, specifically law of attraction, there's kind of a spectrum of offenders. I'll share some examples, but like there are people that just share for the sake of sharing, which is fine. Like as a person who shares for entertainment, trust me when I say it is, uh, it's, it's maddening and de-energizing that we live in a world where people think everything everyone shares and does has to apply to them or be relevant to them. Um, it doesn't like if this interests you, cool, share it. (laughs) If your agenda is honestly just to share information, I hope the algorithm finds the right audience, go for it. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's the case where like on social media, I, I do just like find some comedy and how it's communicated in like short, quippy, TikToky ways when it's these like big existential, uh, principles, but on the flip side, when it's part of a broader conversion agenda, uh, of like a sales funnel and is law of attraction manifestation type of Intel delivered in bite size, easily digestible quips that most of the time speak with so much jargon, uh, by default, it would almost make a curious person have to buy your course because like, what the hell is quantum leaping? Like that's where I start to get frustrated. I start to rage when people attribute spiritual matters to their gross conspicuous consumption and almost use something spiritual as a means to justify it when it's like, oh my God, it's fine that you wanted a bigger house. Stop telling me that God or the universe wanted you to have a more fucking square footage. If God cares about your house's floor plan, uh, uh, bury me in satin, lay me down on a bed of roses, sink me in the river at dawn, send me away with the words of a love song. I was trying to think of something else to say because I always say, take take me the likes for all the poets want to die, don't belong when I hear something I don't like. But now I feel like I'm saying it too much that it's losing its luster. But I, I, I'm even personally shocked I chose that moment to hang my hat in the band Perry. Uh, anyway, okay, some examples. You know, it's safe to say that uh, band Perry reference was not in my usual form. But fortunately, today we are sponsored by Allform. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you've probably heard me talk about my Helix mattress. Uh, it's, you know, li- my life changing, uh, really where I spend most of my time. Helix has left the bedroom and started making sofas. They launched a new company called Allform making the best sofas we've ever seen. You may have seen my cognac uh, leather sectional that my dog digs in that I'm obsessed with that opened up my room and my living room and my eyes to possibilities of, of leather accents that I just, I, I didn't have prior to this, but it's this beautiful, uh, to use a blogger term, buttery leather. Allform is like a really cool company specifically because as people that move a lot and it's really hard to invest in sofas that are going to inevitably like their usage and our needs will change as we move apartments. And we're moving from like one small space to the next usually. And it's the easiest way to customize a sofa, not only using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores, but it's modular. And you've got armchairs, love seats, and you can, you know, go all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So like there's something for everyone and you can start small and buy more seats later on, separate one sectional into two couches, add a shades. I mean, it's completely flexible to grow and change when you move. You can pick your fabric, it's spill, stain, and scratch resistant, but all form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes, no tools needed. I don't know. It's it's roomy, it's comfortable. I don't know how it withstands my dog's wear and tear, but it does. 
I am so grateful that we'll be able to take it to whatever home we move into. And if getting a sofa without sitting on it sounds risky to you, don't worry. You can you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. It's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash be there in five. And Allform is offering 20% off, 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash be there in five. Next, we have Nutrafol. I was just telling this to my mom. I feel like my, my mane is now my main character. My nails, my hair, my, things are just growing and I'm thrilled. Um, thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol, with many users raving about the supplement that not only transformed their hair, but restored their confidence in a sense too. Like, I've, I, yeah, I've told you, I've, I have an issue with shedding. And at times it's more concerning than others, depending on how like stressed I am or whatever's going on. And 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And uh, I've been talking about this with my friends recently, especially, the, I mean, the vast array of things we go through in our 30s, like the hormonal changes and stuff. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know. Your hair just feels like something that's kind of like fixed. And then it's kind of alarming when you go through these changes. Uh, but anyways, this is a solution that certainly worked for me. Uh, Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. I definitely saw results in about like three to six months. Um, and what I like about it is it's not like a topical hair product. It's a supplement that supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. It's physician formulated to be hundred percent drug free using medical grade botanicals and, um, consistently effective dosages to get the most reliable results approved by my hair gal, Natalie, uh, as being the best supplement in the biz. And uh, if you want to learn more, you can go to Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations unique to your hair's needs. No matter your stage in life, they have a solution. It's ideal if you're experiencing uh, thinning hair caused by things like stress or dieting, overstyling, and even environmental toxins. And um, when you subscribe, you'll receive a monthly delivery so you never miss a dose. But if you want to grow thicker, healthier hair and support Be There in 5 – Go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code BETHEREIN5 to save $15 off your first month subscription. That's our best offer anywhere, and it is only available to U.S. customers for limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code BETHEREIN5. These are videos I've favorited over time. Different people, some of the same people, but, like, it's not targeted. It's just these are, like, concepts I kind of want to illustrate audibly if I can that's a little hard so we'll see but you know how like some are just audio and then like they point to words and words pop up this one has words that pop up about like legitimate mental health issues to a catchy song I don't know how to hold on let me find one okay so this says broke depressed anxious afraid lacking inspiration confused stress focused on manifestation and I got my dream townhouse loving relationship multi six-figure earner biz owner Inspired and creating, thriving, making my dreams a reality on a regular basis. This is your sign that you can too. Lean into your potential, align your energy, and watch your entire world rearrange itself to your desires. Okay, so like this is a popular sound on TikTok right now. And this says, once I started using this mantra, I moved to my dream city, tripled my income, won high achiever awards in corporate, started my business, scaled my business, Consistently hit my savings goal, started build, buying luxury things in cash. Why does that matter? And have more overall spark in my life. This is another popular song. It says, Four Proven Steps to Attract Thousands of Dollars. Hold on, let me turn it down. Decide how much you want. Ask yourself, Do I truly believe this is possible for me? And clear blocks if needed. 
Visualize yourself in the first person receiving this money. Pair energy work with action. After you visualize, take the, some action that moves the needle. And the caption is, so you want to be a millionaire. And then like the directive for how to like manifest with your subconscious is another video of like pointing to words. It says clear limiting beliefs. Visualize yourself living it out in the first person. Journal it out as though it's already yours. Lock in the belief with positive affirmations. Take aligned action of your next level self who already has all that you desire. This is how you're going to manifest your dream home in 2021. First, you want to get super clear and specific about everything you want in your home. I'm talking location, price, bedrooms, bathrooms, and whatever is important to you. Then write down, thank you so much for the perfect home that I'm now living. Last thing is to visualize yourself living there and feel the emotion. This is how you're going to manifest. Happy Sunday. So I just moved into the house that I've been manifesting for two years. Beautiful mouse. With my dream kitchen, my dream city, and my dream view. In this video, I'm going to show you how I manifested this home. So let's get on the same page about manifestation. This, this is the manifested world. Reality. When you manifest something, you bring it from the unmanifested into the manifested. In order to do this, you need to call your shot. You need to have that clarity. What will you manifest? Envision it. Feel it. And this is where we get the key. How does it feel? How would it feel to have this manifested? Sink into those feelings. And don't just want the thing. Because wanting means I don't have it. Instead, become the version of you in which your manifested reality is realized. Manifesting your dream is all about becoming your hero. The version of yourself that you prefer to be in the manifested reality you prefer to be in. Are you manifesting a baby? We can't forget to tell the universe to send us a healthy baby. I also like to add in that I want my baby to be healthy, kind, smart, loving. We have to go into detail with what we want to manifest. We can't just say we're manifesting. You have to believe it. You have to live it. You have to do the work in order to receive it. Ugh, so those eight months I spent trying to have a baby... I must have at some point said, I hope it gets stuck in my fallopian tube. Like, shut up. I hate you. Like, this is so, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. Like, this is where I get confused. When are, one is, what are the things you obviously want implied? Do you have to make every little detail that abundantly clear? This is where we run into a dangerous place of like, like manifest whatever you want. But when is this superstitious? When are we using this as a means to like, shame ourselves or take too much responsibility for things legitimately beyond our control in a way that will implicate our mental health. I, I will say one of the more helpful ways I feel like I've heard people talk about manifestation um, is from Oprah and that that's kind of what the other girl was saying in a couple videos ago that makes me understand it better and may, makes me not as disgusted by the manifestation of material goods is that like you like theoretically can't man like you have to meet the vibration of whatever it is you want. So if you're focusing on wanting it, you're like in this kind of longing phase of like not manifesting what it feels like to actually have it. So you're more so supposed to focus on the feeling of what it'll be like when you have that thing. So you match it at its level instead of like desire that thing. So instead of being like, oh my God, I want a package receiving room and a butler's pantry. I just should be uh, putting myself in the circumstance of somebody with a package receiving room and a butler's pantry. 
and just like exuding whatever energy that is of the person I will become when I have that thing. And I think like that was like a dumb example, but I think that makes more sense to me in terms of like, how will I feel when X, Y, Z happens and not, I want this so bad. Cause like, yeah, that is a, a place of desperation. And that's why like, I haven't always loved manifesting practices because I don't, I don't want to always be like wanting and hoping for more. Like I want to enjoy what is and be present and still have goals and like actionably work toward things. But sometimes these practices are like, I don't know, they border on like superstitious, they border on empty longing and they border on like a compulsion in a way of feeling like uh, if you start to do it, it's hard to stop. And that you think like, if you don't do this, it won't happen. But then like, it's not happening. But then like when things do happen, you almost falsely correlated, I think, to manifestation when I think that, you know, in addition to whatever spiritual practice you want to put in place, like on this earth, when you want things and you pursue them and put thought into action, you'll see an outcome. Like it's just like a kind of straightforward thing. And that's where I struggle with. I don't think it's all wrong or bad. I think people like the baby person are insane and making people feel horrible for things beyond their control. Um, I think that like there are people who dream and then there are people who do. And then I think there's a balance of the two. And there's a lot of baseline privilege certain people come with that like a lofty or big dream, especially one that involves material goods, is going to conceivably happen for people with immense access to like resources or a network or that have a college education or that have financial security existing. But where it becomes offensive, kind of like how the Vox article said, it's so easy to poke holes in who's going to will illness onto themselves, or I'd argue who's going to will an unhealthy baby onto themselves. Um, nobody deserves these things that happen. So it becomes very hard to find a balance, fairness, or viability in something that feels so imbalanced and biased in terms of who it favors and who it doesn't. And you can argue for confirmation bias and coincidence. You could argue for steering where you stare. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you what the right answer is, but I think it tracks that for people of immense resources and connections and, and with financial means already, when they take the time to organize their thoughts to get clear on what they want, get specific on what they want, and then make actionable goals toward those things. No shit, it's gonna cap, it's gonna come true. Like, but then, uh, like, so that's great, and I'm happy for them. But I just don't like the the lack of acknowledgement sometimes that exists within these communities of like the the dire nature of circumstances people find them in, themselves in that they're needing hope and they're needing help, and that they cannot think their way out of a serious medical issue losing a loved one, you know, like insane amounts of debt. Think about um, having any sort of physical disability. I mean, like, it's so cruel and insensitive to suggest that any circumstance a person is in is a product of their own thinking. I don't want to be a broken record here. You know, I've talked about that a lot with self-help. Like, I just, I, I think it's, Helpful to people with the most mild problems, perhaps, to hear that they have control over recourse, over their next steps. But for people going through things that are not their fault, for people that are marginalized for reasons beyond their control, for like the millions of unfair things that happen in this life that a person might be in dire circumstances as they're scrolling through this stuff and this like, you know, privileged person is oversimplifying 
and also semi accusing the person of like being their own lack of success being their fault. I'm just like, I cringe. I, d- I just die a little inside every time I think about who's watching it. Like, it, and maybe there's some truth to like having that perception that the universe revolves around you that makes us effective for people. But in certain uh, social climates, it, it is so hard to watch people be just so convinced that they are that in charge of their reality to a point that's just so offensive to people who are dealing with harsh realities that they by no means want. And like, okay, let me just play some more videos that I have favorited. This is not personal to anybody. I'm not trying to call out anybody. That's why I'm not saying their names, not trying to provide provide publicity nor takedown, rather just show you like uh, a spectrum of things that pop up on my For You page that I've like favorited over time. I manifested another income source this year. I started the year knowing I wanted something that could make me money while I slept, but I had no idea what that was. In business, we always say the best products solve problems. I just didn't really know what problem I could solve better than anybody else. Then this video went viral on TikTok and I got hundreds upon hundreds of comments of people asking me how I found my purpose. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I realized something. I could help people find theirs since I've been on quite the track to find mine. I went on Teachable to create the purpose pilot, five days to find and execute upon your life's purpose. And I made, well, more than my nine-to-five made monthly before I became an entrepreneur. And Teachable handled everything, the payouts and taxes, so I could get back to creating more content just like I love to do. If you want another income source this year, try Teachable. Okay, I actually think I saved that because of I'm still trying to figure out teacher influencers, uh, which is, an, it's like another overlap of this issue that is sl- slightly different. Um that was the person that like made a course that enabled them to quit their quit their nine to five because it was like a PDF on Teachable that was one hundred ninety seven dollars, and then like going to their website they charge four hundred fifty dollars per hour for one on one coaching like about the manifestation like I, I just it's it's fast she seems very sweet I have no commentary and like whatever do do what you like like what you do, um, but people are making bank doing this and this is where. The conversation shifts for me a bit. Well, I guess, do I have other videos? Oh, no. Like, then the jargon starts to elevate. And then I get my For You page becomes littered with, with, like, people astral projecting and quantum leaping. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You're doing a glorified hand jive to this intensely serious concept. But do you guys know what I'm talking about with the hand jive? Let me find a simple one. Like, this is questions people ask me about being a zookeeper. You guys know this sound. Like, it, 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 sometimes it's satirical, sometimes it's informative. All the while, it's just, it's creepy and manipulative to me because the answers go so fast, it requires you to watch it over and over, and that's what it's designed to do. There's another sound where that where people like I don't know how to explain this, but it 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 it's nails on a chalkboard to me, and it's another thing where people are answering highly specific questions. Um, this one. pretend to like bite an apple and like make a gesture of your hands like water trickling with your hands very crack an egg on your head let the yolk run down very itsy bitsy spider down came the rain um very it's like being at a girl scout camp on a sit-upon doing weird games and groups with hand symbols but like you're looking in a black mirror It, it doesn't feel right and it feels familiar i and 
anyways, the, my point is I'll be scrolling through nonsensical stuff like that. And then some, somebody's telling me to like astral project or quantum leap in like 15 seconds in the next video to a baby song. And I'm like, huh, right. <laughs> it's just a lot of it's a lot of concepts to digest at once. Like, here's a quantum leap one. If you're looking to build momentum towards your goals and quantum leap towards your desired reality so you can start living it out today, then this six week group container is for you. Early bird pricing opened up today and is available until July 29th. For more info, check the link in my bio. I like to think people that were in pain or suffering or having a hard time or feeling lost probably did a lot of this stuff and it did legitimately help them. Probably focus, probably put action to intention. Uh, it probably did a lot for people in privileged circumstances that aren't necessarily teasing out the difference between, you know, correlation and causation, right? So it did work for them and it did help them. And they're seeing other people making banks, you know, selling these concepts that they practice in their life, too, that have worked for them. They're like, well, I can do that, too. And I that's what I mean by it's a little bit of maybe ignorance and negligence. But then sometimes it feels like deliberate exploitation. And how can you not know or how can you be a person with the size of a platform and not realize that the message you're sending is so contingent upon you already having financial security and access to money and resources that not everybody has. How insulting is it to suggest somebody can think their way out of poverty? How insulting is it to suggest somebody can think their way to out of infertility, out of a meaningful medical issue? It, it, it's there. There's a side of it that I think starts in a well-intentioned manner, but an analysis you can do of it that is is actually uh, quite troubling and insensitive to people that don't have what these people have that they're saying the universe gave them. And I just think there's this awful, weird hypocrisy with things that are meant, meant to make us one with the universe, meant to make us all as one that are kind of like grounded in spirituality and kindness and love and equality, theoretically, but also perpetuating a narrative that the universe does indeed play favorites. And you just so happen to have a level of control. You're on a, you're operating at a higher vibrate, like vibration, higher frequency, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like it's just, it's a very like, I am special. I can do things other people can't. Let me tell you how to do the supernatural thing that I'm telling you I can do and you should believe me. But like, can you? And also how like de-energizing to people that just like aren't, aren't anywhere close to like feeling like their best selves, much less like this like manifesting spiritual plane of their like aligned next level self, whatever that means. It's, it's like, it's just a lot. It's people talking in this crazy jargon that are in a totally different headspace than the rest of the world. And it only gets more and more jargony as it goes. It's one of those things that's similar to the self-help conversation or what I talked about before, maybe even earlier in this episode, where uh, I'm always on high alert for situations where it would be very easy for a person that's inexperienced to learn from an expert, to need something so desperately, to want the shortcuts, um, to feel better, to heal something, to move towards something. And then they view the person saying, I'm just like you, do what I did, buy my course, follow these steps. You follow the steps like a recipe. I'm a bad cook. I don't like when people say, I just eyeball it. I don't like when people don't have like very specifically measured ingredients. I need to follow them to a T to yield an outcome I'm happy with because I don't feel like I possess the skills. So I will, you know, go out of my way to find a really specific formulaic way to yield a certain meal and when it doesn't turn out the way that looks on the website, I don't blame the person who made the recipe. I blame myself for being a bad chef. And that there, there's this accountability that never has to occur when people hang abstract concepts over people's head. And um, like an example of like this is a video that says. Uh, 
what if what you if what you're manifesting hasn't arrived yet, it's because of one of these three reasons. And this isn't like mean or cruel necessarily, but it's just it goes back to that thing of like the reason this can be so effective and manipulative and addicting for people is because it doesn't work for you. They are telling you that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and the conversation never goes back to what was your baseline. So these are examples to give it of uh, why you're like manifesting wrong. Like, isn't that fascinating how those three things absolve this person yeah. of any responsibility for what happens? And if you listen to the Rachel Hollis and the Rose Colored Glass Ceiling series, you know that one of my personal red flags is uh, how in very, uh, like, technically disparate industries that are all adjacent in terms of their alleged attempts to, like, help people, there's certain phrases and um, figures of speech that are used consistently that tell me you're peddling bullshit. And one of those is limiting beliefs. And this is another thing that a lot of manifestation videos have in common. And um, actually, so I was on uh, Amanda Montel, the author of Wordslet, and um, I think it's called Cultish. I was on her podcast this week. I need to have her on mine. She's a very talented author and um, knows so is such a like she's a linguist and a subject matter expert on on cults her podcast is sounds like a cult and i was on it and i brought up limiting beliefs and she said something that i like made a mental note of because i like i love the phrasing of this uh she called limiting beliefs a thought terminating cliche because keith, like keith ranieri you know head of nexium you know professional misogynist predator you know, sexual assaulter and now in prison for 120 years. Like that's the type of person who uses limiting beliefs type terminology. And then these manifesting babes are out here on TikTok. Like it just drives, I'm just like, do people not hear these common threads and not have a million red flags going up about the person's intentions and that they're shutting down your ability to dissent through these phrases. And what Amanda called them was thought terminating cliches, stock expressions that aim are aimed at shutting down further thought or questioning. And I was like, yes, like these are the things people need to look out for to not believe people. But anyway, here's like another example of like how uh, somebody would methodologically tell you to overcome limiting beliefs in like a uh, passing TikTok that's backed up by a top 40 song. This is how you're going to get rid of those subconscious limiting beliefs that are getting in the way of your manifestations. Step one is you're going to start listening to affirmations at night. While you're falling asleep, your brain is sent through a series of brainwave states. And in these lower brainwave states, your subconscious is more open to suggestion. So hearing affirmations about the life that you do want will convince your subconscious mind that it is safe and that it is possible. Second, you're going to start emotional freedom technique. This technique, also known as tapping, frees you from the emotion around your limiting beliefs. And since the subconscious operates on emotion, once again, we'll think your manifestations are possible and safe. Follow for more. So, like, that, I mean, I didn't understand any of that. Not that I need to. Not, it's not necessarily for me. Uh, but it's like getting into, like, discussions of brainwaves in your subconscious in a way that is this confusing combination of probably some legitimate scientific theories paired with pseudoscience, paired with a, you know, highly anecdotal 
uh, example of a person who thinks that this works, whether it's placebo or not. And all the while, is it harmful for people if it works in a placebo sense? No. But it becomes a slippery slope of people saying like semi-scientific things in a really confident manner that is also the very type of thing how like the way that misinformation spreads on social media and in a harmless seeming context, it's like whatever. But the broader theme there of non-experts making big sweeping promises and talking about these huge existential things that really can affect people at a deep level that overlaps with mental health issues. Yeah, just like kind of bothers me. Like, believe what you want to believe uh, spiritually and, you know, hobby wise. The only thing that like I'll criticize, I mean, yeah, there's some comedy and like new age wellness gurus, sure. Uh, but people get really mad when you snark on things. But like, I always want to be clear. Like, if, okay, if I say something about crystals, I'll get emails, people like furious that I say something about crystals. But my point is never that it's about the crystals. My point is about like the gatekeeping of like the wealthy and elite of ancient practices that make them inaccessible to people that need them the most that I think is really shitty. If you, if, if, that, if whatever you find healing, joy, peace, purpose in, that's great. But the commentary that I think is totally fair is kind of the the commodification of spiritual practices by wealthy people who take these these beautiful things that are supposed to be about uh, things that are so pure and not of this world, like energy and connection to the universe and commodify them, give them a price barrier to entry, only making them accessible to people of a certain financial status. And like, th this is like an oversimplified argument. I get there are capitalistic elements to this. People need to make a profit, have businesses, you know. But my point is, I guess it's this irony that fascinates me um, of people taking things that typically are, are a type of practice that would suggest we're all one with the universe. But then finding a way to gatekeep it and kind of say, like, yeah, sure, we're, we're all one, but you have to be like us to enjoy this and benefit from it. And, and that is the piece that bothers me. So I guess I just want to draw a line of I want people to feel free to believe what they want to believe as long as it's not hurting other people. But then at a point, like some of it's just funny. It's just funny and it's just wrong. It's like essential oils uh, on the right and like perennium sunning on the left. The perennium sunning was in like 2019. There was an, I remember there being, let me find it. There's a New York Post article about it. Um, and essentially wellness influencers, like in this case, at Certified Health Nut, literally was tell you to go in the sun nude, open your butt cheeks and sun the piece of skin, you know, between holes, the fairway, if you will. And saying 30 seconds of direct sunlight injection into the anal orifice is equivalent to being outside in the sun all day. But then MDs were like, no, no. <laughs> like the, 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 the one Karen Campbell MD said, there's zero evidence that there's any merit in sunning the skin between your anus and genitals. And then talked about like the honest to God uh, danger in teaching people this because of uh, the health problems it could cause given like, I don't know, skin cancer. And that's that literally being the place where the sun don't shine. Um, and if you had HPV, the UV light triggering flare ups, like uh, there, there, there were so many reasons why that was a problem. But uh, that's the sort of thing where I'm just like, wow, it's incredible that people have influence that they can say this stuff, you know, peddle it as something spiritual or alternative. Um, and in some cases, there can be price barrier to barriers to entry or exclusivity that I find concerning. In some cases, that could just be flat out wrong health information that I find concerning. All the while, I don't know how to talk about it because 
I want to let people like things. Uh, and it becomes hard to draw a line between what's, you know, good for you, not for me, and what's a legitimate problem, right? And I also just say, too, when I was reminding myself of the butthole uh, sunning, um, I clicked on a Cosmo article. No joke. This is the headline from December 10th, 2019. Does sunning your asshole actually have any health pennies? Like, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I nearly lost it. Health pennies? <laughs> this is where I'd also say take me to the lakes. I don't know. What's another bridge I like? Uh, I made my bed and I sleep like a baby. No regrets. And I don't mind saying it's a sad, sad story when a mother will teach her daughter that she ought to hate a perfect stranger. And how in the world can the words that I said send somebody so over the edge that they write me a headline saying that I better son my asshole so it health, health pennies. <laughs> Kill a violin, Natalie. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, we covered like, sorry, the basics of like TikTok, like with this type of stuff I see all the time, they're kind of like, eh, it's a little weird. I don't love it. It feels privileged, feels, it doesn't just sit right with me, but like, whatever, if you want to share, that's great. Um, but now we get into the people like charging for like coaching seminars. And I just want to read some of their website stuff because it bothers me. Again, not a think piece. I, it's an I don't know what to think piece. These things bother me. I don't know if I have a definitive perspective. I'm just out here sharing, I guess. Um, even if you just look up hashtags like manifestation, light worker, highest self, whatever, like you'll just find post after post with these line breaks and these emojis and these bullets of like really generic universal problems everyone has or has had or can relate to about things that are just complicated to navigate because you don't have a lot of control over them, like financial success or like finding love. Um, and like, this is one that's about finding the right relationship and like preying on somebody who you know, is single and wants to find a partner and who isn't having luck with dating and is feeling like there's self-worth and perceived value by others is being degraded constantly by people hyper-focusing on your relationship status over the things that matter more about your life, your character, and your even your professional success. There's so many other things to talk about. And people that are hounded for being single, it drives me crazy because it's just like the least interesting thing about them. And preying on that vulnerability to be like, do you want to manifest the right relationship? And then offer up like, uh, you know, like, I guess this is a person for the, that has trouble opening up, which people have good reason for that. I mean, <laughs> and again, like you're not a therapist. Uh, you know what happens when you hold back? You settle for a love that's not a vibrational match for the powerful woman in the mirror. Your relationship is a mirror of you. And to be in the best relationship, you must embody the qualities you wish to attract. That's why I serve ambitious women who struggle with finding freedom in their true self-expression, just like I was. If you're turned on by any of the truth in this post, I have three spaces left in my one-on-one -on -one vulnerable AF coaching program. If you feel the call, I invite you to apply and schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with me with the link in my bio because I, I believe you can have it all. And it hashtags intimacy, relationships, attachment styles, consciousness, conscious relationships, shadow work alignment, growth mindset, Puerto Rico, um, and vulnerability. But do you see what I mean with that, that similar tone of just like blaming people? Like, well, your relationship didn't work out. Cause like, you need to look at the mirror. Like you need to change. It's your fault. Like it just feeds into this narrative for, for women to be constantly be self-improving that, you know, that I hate. And moreover, uh, tricks people into thinking these like random people that aren't credentialed to like actually provide anything therapeutic in a relational way are going to tell you how to manifest your dream partner and tell you all the things you did wrong for why your past relationships didn't work out with absolutely no context. You're going to pay somebody thousands of dollars to essentially shame you. Like uh, this, it's crazy to me that these uh, like businesses survive.
when going to these people's websites and these, I'm going to read from several to not target anyone in particular, not only because my goal isn't to like expose anyone. It's just to showcase everybody's using the same cheesy, like webinar sales funnel, uh, like formula that any coach anywhere selling anything (laughs) seems to be doing on the internet. And it's so transparent. And then I look at these price points and I'm dying. I'm dying. The, how predatory the sales tactics are. Like, let me just read some of these. And I took one of these webinars and I'll tell you more about it. So this says like, what if I told you that manifesting your dream life could be simple, that all you're lacking is an easy step-by-step formula to help you manifest with absolute ease. Blah, blah, blah. Manifestation doesn't have to be complicated and unclear. It can be simple, fast, and easy to understand. How? Just follow a simplified formula, like ticking off tasks on your to-do list. And then it like asks, are you uh, feeling like you're lacking a clear method to your practice, trying lots of different techniques and uh, without settling on just one? Feeling like manifesting is harder than it should be? Unconfident in your abilities? Wishing you could make life happen for you rather than to you? I've been there. Trust me. It doesn't have to be this way. This is why I've created this four-week course. If you're thinking, I'm not ready to invest, maybe now is not the time, or will this even work? Let me tell you, I was having the exact same thoughts right before I invested in my first manifestation coaching program. It was terrifying, but what made me do it? I knew that I'm only going to benefit from investing in myself. Ah! I get so angry that people talk about now, you not wanting to do it isn't a sound financial choice. It's your lack of interest in manifesting in yourself because you don't believe that you deserve it. <sighs> okay. There's a reason you've landed on, on this page. The universe knows that you're destined for a life so much greater than the one you're living now. This course is going to unlock that potential by providing a simplified approach and breaking manifestation down into easy to follow steps. It's time to up level and become the next best version of you. And then there are testimonials. This person manifested a $1,000 bonus from their job and a pay raise due to her class. This person uh, said two days into opening her business, she manifested her first two clients because of this class. You get the drill. I mean, there's, uh, I'm sure, the just general cause and effect of organization of putting thoughts into action. Like there's, there are baseline benefits to, for people that are really floundering to putting thoughts into action that I don't discount at all. Um, Again, I'm not opposed to the law of attraction. I'm opposed to the exploitation of it with things like this. This is where my rage comes in. I started this course a month ago, and after two weeks, I can tell that layer after layer, I was adding one more useful lesson on how to manifest. To be precise, the one thing I can tell changed a lot is I have manifested a way for my husband to finish up his immigration in a way that would make sense to our budget. Oh, on a budget, you ask? And searching how to expedite an incredibly challenging process like immigration that a vulnerable person might be going through? What what is the cost you ask to if manifest immigration within your budget? Again, as a person on a tight budget, it's this class that is seven hundred fifty dollars. And clicking through this website, the other classes are freaking insane. Next one is a VIP at nine hundred ninety seven dollars. You can get one on one coaching, and it takes you to a sign up page where a three month membership is ten thousand dollars. A six month membership is twenty thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars for a mastermind, $4,600 for a VIP mastermind, all saying 
the same basic bullshit on everyone else's website and using cherry pick testimonials that are highly anecdotal to people's situation and worse, use keywords like immigration for people that are openly on a budget saying that this class is the way to improve your circumstances. And it, it is, to me, unconscionable to use that sort of anecdote to drop people in and to pay you money when you don't have clear credentials on your website. I don't really even understand what you're doing. And you're just speaking in like sweeping generalities about how to improve your life because you improved yours anecdotally without ever clarifying how you might be different from other people. You know, in retrospect, going back through this, I don't know that I'm nailing this episode, but lucky for me, I am painting my nails as I listen back through this very long episode with Olive and June. You guys, they just sent me their fall collection and oh my God, I don't know if this is a thing I manifested uh, from my Be There in Five official color palette of like a kind of, you know, like pinky tone, uh, like a mauvey lilac, a darker green. I mean, it's it's like, it's the Beth palette. Like I'm thrilled. It's so, so beautiful. People are freaking out about it on social media. And I'm so excited to partner with Olive and June because they have this Manny system that I know so many of you are diehard fans of, but it's the answer to Salon Perfect Nails at Home. The polish lasts seven plus days and doesn't chip. And each Manny comes out to like $2 each, which is not even comparable to what it costs at a, at a salon. And uh, if you have one, I'm sure you've fallen in love with it. If you want one, I can't recommend it enough. Even as like giving gifts for people who you want to like indulge in some self-care, just do something nice for themselves or just to like have the capability to paint your nails at home is like so empowering not having to go into the salon anymore uh, because the system comes with all the tools you need in one box. It's five steps, has everything you need, like buffer clippers, nail file and stuff. But what's really cool is their patented handle called the Poppy. It's this brush handle that makes it really easy to paint with both of your hands, especially your non-dominant one. And I have no skills with my left hand. And I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it, good at, it at this point because it like stabilizes your uh, like fingers and palm while you're painting it on. It's hard to explain. Um but and everyone I know loves it. Everyone I've given it to loves it. It's like my personal me time. And I feel so self-satisfied that I've done it myself. I, I next want to venture into like nail art, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. But if you've been wondering, like, what's the secret to, you know, salon perfect nails at home? All in one, no guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tag. Look no further than all of June's Manny system. And you can get 20 to 0% off your first Manny system with my code be there in five. Your new nail life is here. Get 20% off your first Manny system when you use promo code BETHEREIN5 at oliveandjune.com. We're done with expensive bad Mannies. This is the new us, you know? Last but not least, we have BetterHelp. I love working with BetterHelp because you are able to connect uh, with your own licensed professional therapist through this digital platform that assesses your needs and connects you in a safe and private online environment. You can communicate in under 24 hours with a professional counselor. It's not self-help. And in the event you don't vibe with your counselor, you can, uh, you know, change easily and and for free because BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. You can get timely and thoughtful responses plus schedule weekly visits or on the phone or video visits. And um, it's available worldwide. And as I've told you before, like I just I think what's important is having not only access to licensed mental health professionals, but to specialists. And um, they have. Uh, licensed professional counselors that specialize in everything from relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, uh, grief, self-esteem, depression, stress, anxiety. Like they have a whole laundry list of things that they have specialists in and, and anything you share is confidential. I, I think it's important to look at the testimonials on their site that people speak about their personalized experience because um, 
I know this can be like a daunting thing to take on or to start, but I, I think it's incredibly important if uh, it's something you're interested in pursuing to get some help, to have a sounding board, to, you know, help you move forward in life. Uh, it's not a crisis line, but it's a really low stakes, uh, less intimidating way to get therapy uh, than like waiting in an uncomfortable waiting room, you know? And so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And as a listener, if you want to give it a try, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash be there in five. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be there in five. I don't mean to get worked up, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like I've done, I used to like technically toward the end of my career, like work in consulting. I've independently done consulting after doing my Etsy shop because there is value to having a specific skill that can actually help people. And people do want coaching. and consult. Like There are plenty of contexts where this is valuable and you have the right to dictate the value of your time based on a variety of factors, but your, your expertise and your time being core drivers, as well as the value you're bringing to your client. I'm not questioning a woman's value of herself or her time or her product. Well, no, I am. But I wouldn't normally do that unless, to me, you were using obvious keyworded SEO type anecdotes to suggest you can solve problems that just fundamentally you cannot you cannot. The, 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 the scope of what this person's pretending to cover through these manifestation courses isn't right because it takes you to a page where you buy these things outright in order to have access to them. But the circumstances they're saying they solve for are people that do not have this kind of money. And it just drives me crazy that people feel comfortable taking money from people who might be here trying to expedite their you know, partner's immigration process when this person cannot help you through that. And it's really shitty of them to suggest they can. Okay, the, okay, the thing it's promising more specifically, let me click around so I'm not, I'm not speaking in generalities. Um, it says, imagine in eight weeks you have full clarity around your business and your offers. Cool. You've launched your first offer and it was wildly successful. <laughs> You're making money while making an impact. Showing up in your business is fun, easy, and effortless. You're making enough money to quit your day job. You love your life and know that your massive success is just the beginning. This is in eight weeks. Do you know how much that's promising without any context of what the business is, what industry it's in, how much capital you have, how much spare time you have? I, like, I, I, am I over? I don't know if I like overreact to this, but I just think it's really crazy that you would promise this to people and charge that much and something I just think you really can't guarantee. But our pitch is at age 21, I built and scaled my online business, matching my nine to five monthly salary in the first three months of business. I help women all over the world overcome their limiting, limiting beliefs, dying, holding them back from creating online wealth from their purpose work. I manifested my dream life of abundance, including my dream house, car, business class flights, a thriving business and more. But like, why? 
what the things she mentions are your house, her car, and business class flights. Like, what is that? And she clarifies that I would love to guarantee results, but I can't. There are too many factors out of my control. But I can confidently say if you do the work and that you'll have a better understanding of building a successful online business. <laughs> can I get a refund? No. I don't know, you guys. This is just an example. I don't even know this person. I'm sure she's lovely. This, the business class flight sent me. <laughs> Literally. I wish. <laughs> I, you know, I'm in an economy plus phase of my career, but I'm grateful for the extra leg room. I really am. And I guess what I'm struggling with, too, is like, I believe in the testimonials, like, I'm sure you got sales, you got leads, you overcame fears. I'm sure these women are like, I'm sure that that's their truth. But like, why is this being called manifestation? Like, why is it manifested to high paying clients in two days? Why isn't I put in the work based on her advice? And therefore the outcome was too high paying clients in two days. You know what I mean? People mix this up with deliberate action in ways that I think is odd. Well, the formal title is a quantum business coach. What? Is that real? Quantum business coach, in quotes. Oh, 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 there are, oh, there are a lot of these. Oh, this is a thing. I can't really figure out what it is. Let me click on another one. And of course, like one of the first things, become a six to seven figure coach. Like you get, they love the figures. They love the figures. Okay. I don't know what that is. Um, I, I gathered that the, the quantum people I've clicked on coach coaches, <laughs> they coach people to get coaching programs. Like, I mean, quantum would suggest like the smallest amount of something, right? Maybe they like admittedly openly know the smallest amount about business. Um, I don't know. I don't know you guys. Can I just read a couple more of these testimonials on these different websites I have pulled up? Because it's just it it's it's really interesting to me how things like self improvement, self help that like cover such a broad range of issues, or in this case manifestation, which would suggest you need you know coaching to harness your supernatural ability to overcome your circumstances for a broad scope, can touch on things like weight loss, finances immigration like relationships the the the, the people with testimonies on their websites i'm I'm just like oh my god this is crazy (laughs) how is this not regulated like this the person is literally a, a a quantum business coach and like manifesting expert but this person's testimonial says that this person hit a huge milestone and made $3,000 after taking this course. And as an aside, I've also improved my health and healed my food intolerances. I no longer have to use an inhaler after 30 years. Like, it's fucking insane to be preying on people having health issues. And don't even get me started on fertility. I'm not saying I have the answers, but I am saying I don't think the answer is... uh targeting people that are already in an incredibly uh, frustrating circumstance that's beyond their control uh, and like shaming them further that they're somehow responsible for something going on with their body that they cannot control. Um, it, it, it's just, it's so offensive. Like this, I was reading one article that says, 
The law of attraction is how we attract into our life what our subconscious thoughts are to include our dreams as well as our fears. For this reason, many people who are struggling to conceive will probably have emotional blocks stopping them get from getting pregnant. These fears may include being too old, not being a good mom, financial fears, etc. I have all those fears. So far, you've manifested not getting pregnant. Fuck you. You can just as easily manifest pregnancy success, a healthy pregnancy, and a healthy baby. No matter who you are, no matter your experience, it's easy to use the law of attraction to become pregnant as it is to create a parking space. There's no difference. The only difference lies in your mind. <laughs> the problem is when you desperately want something, you don't get it. It isn't because you don't deserve it. It's because you're so attached to the outcome that you're creating the absence of what you want. So there's this funny thing where like, if you're trying to have a baby and it's like not happening at first, like the, the thing people say is it happens when you least expect it. You're stressed. You know, I you know people that tried for 10 years in the 11th year, they gave up. And when she wasn't thinking about it, that's when they, I'm just like, ah, shut up. Like I just, the, the, people are trying to help and they probably mean well. And do I think there, there is something to, for some people not being stressed, not overthinking it, not feeling as tense, like what, like maybe, I don't freaking know. I think it really just depends. And I think that nothing drives a person who's having trouble getting pregnant crazier than like when people are just like, relax, enjoy the journey. What's meant to be will be, what's meant to happen will happen. You're like, okay, well, sure, I guess. But like, there's a lot of action steps I have to take based on my age and my success, potential success rate and my fertility and I don't know, like there's just like it, it, it becomes unromantic and it becomes calculated. And I think people that like had a luck or an easy go, like kind of romanticize it and like tell you not to stress or worry. And like, I'm sure what's meant to be will be like, yeah, maybe. But I also like it's not as like fun for everybody. <laughs> it's not as like, well, you know, one and done. Like I had no idea. Like I just we, we tried and it happened. Like I, that's such a beautiful and awesome and romantic story. It's just not everybody's reality. And like I and I now I get that if you did if you didn't have trouble have go if you have never had trouble getting pregnant, you don't understand how like mechanical it becomes and how disappointing your life like you just, you count days and weeks and in measure time and in negative tests and disappointment in a way like I would not have understand if I hadn't have gone through it in a way I didn't even know I would care as much as I did. Um, it's a really confusing time and like everyone's so well-intentioned when they're like, just, ugh, you're just too stressed. You're overthinking it. It's like, I don't have the, I'm not at the age, nor do I have the luxury of not overthinking it because you kind of have to be pretty deliberate in this window <laughs> and, and figuring out when that window is and like all the things. And like, it's just for some people, it's accidental and beautiful and romantic and like fun and fancy free. And for others, it's really mechanical. And it just like drives me mad when this like kind of more laissez-faire attitude toward it is projected onto me. Not because the people don't mean well, but because like it's just, just this is not what it is for a lot of people. Well, I kind of wanted to mention this because it's kind of relevant and like the uh, your thoughts create your reality, steer where you stare, like manifesting that type thing. Because like I've worried about this a bit. When I did Childless Millennial, which was like the shock of my life that that episode was as big as it was because it was so personal. It was so unplanned. And I don't even know that I ever meant to drag you guys into this, but I started it. So, And it was so important and, and it was helpful for me to get all that off my chest as high risk as it felt at the time. It kind of was like me saying, I don't think I'm ever going to wake up and be like ready, excited and jazzed to like get knocked up. It's very confusing. When you're not a person that like idolizes 
motherhood in a way that's like a personal identifier for you, it's confusing to explain to people how you objectively understand like a freaking gift miracle and to use a word I didn't like earlier, but in this context, like I'd probably use it because I don't know what makes something work or not, but blessing of like having a healthy pregnancy and baby. Like I objectively get the beauty and miracle and importance of that. But as a person, I don't romanticize or really look forward to the process of gestating. I will love my child or children, God willing with, 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 you know, with, if tug was any indicator with a, you know, troubling level of intensity that I'm not even sure I can handle because I, I have trouble even thinking about how a person sleeps again when they're responsible for keeping someone alive and when they love something that much. And I was trying to find a way to be like, this is something I know I want, but what if you're a person that doesn't come naturally to? What if you're a person that doesn't really romanticize the process? What if you're a person that's like kind of medically terrified of it? And what if you also kind of know that a lot of women you know your age have a lot of trouble with this and you're saying all this stuff and you're at risk of theoretically jinxing yourself because I knew that if it wasn't, it wouldn't happen, I'd be disappointed because again, it's hard to explain to people when you don't speak about something that's like benevolent, loving, idealistic way that you want it. But I can be realistic about the toll this will take on my body and my mental health and my career and my energy levels and quite frankly, the rest of my life because holy shit, it is permanent. I think people should put a lot of realistic thought into it. You should be allowed to say those things and not, and, and, and there be space for it because a woman at any phase of that very personal uh, decision to try and then ultimate outcome that isn't your decision oftentimes, like you deserve a voice. And I think I am as a person, like uh, maybe it's the Enneagram four. I mean, I kept my last name. Like I don't, I don't ground my identity in being a wife or a mom, or they're just things that don't naturally feel like secondary things that I've like always dreamed about being in terms of who I am in relation to another person. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I care so deeply about everybody in my life. Uh, but I almost wanted to see if there was a way like I could talk about it as a very sensitive person who cares a lot, but also feels like a little detached from the, the affinity and, and, and excitement and, uh, you know, willingness to sacrifice so many women around me, uh, will so willingly take on that I just feared I didn't have, but I don't think that makes me any less qualified or less, you know, of having the right to be a mom and that episode being so successful was really interesting to me because I said a lot of things that, especially in the position I'm in now, do stand to be sensitive and potentially offensive to somebody who's struggling to have children. For somebody to be like pontificating about how they're not sure and they're nervous about all these theoretical things, you know, in the face of somebody who really wants something and it's not happening for it, it's like, well, so nice of you that you have the luxury of not being sure if you want it or not, because I do and I can't get it. But that's what's like hard to explain to people is like, you're allowed to feel unsure and frustrated and you're allowed to know that you want something long term and have to take steps or take a leap to get yourself closer to that point. And I think you 
as you get older, you know yourself well enough to know, like, do you have sudden aggressive changes of heart or do you sometimes have to get at yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit? And I kind of knew with this, I would just have to see what happened. And I just hadn't heard a lot of women say they weren't that sure that they didn't romanticize like pregnancy, that they were worried about their mental health, that like, isn't it okay to be like, this is maybe not going to be that pleasant for me. And it doesn't mean I don't want it. Um, so then it was a funny thing that kind of to tie it back to this manifestation con- uh, conversation where after I put that out there, it was a release. And then when it wasn't happening, I knew, I knew that I could never cry wolf. I could never say anything about me being disappointed. It wasn't happening because I went on record kind of saying I wasn't sure how bad I, I wanted to go through the process. I could have, you know, you could theoretically say I manifested that for myself. I jinxed myself. And I talked very openly about this before we started trying. And then like after like, I don't know, eight unsuccessful months, uh, I got pregnant. As you know, it was ectopic, meaning it was too ball. It wasn't viable. You have to resolve it yourself. It's traumatizing. I don't want to get into it now. But uh, and then I very like candidly spoke about kind of my uh, uh, grief and and frustration and experience uh, being a person that was already hesitant to do this yet knows they want it long term and having kind of one of the worst case outlier scenarios happening upon my first go at it after a long time of trying. And I, I, I you know, I wanted uh, kind of almost to combat this mentality of maybe I just don't want it enough. Maybe my my head's not in the right place. Maybe because I, I told people too early, I jinxed myself. Like it did, it, it made me nervous that people would say something like she wasn't sure if she wanted kids anyway. Um, but like, I genuinely care about being an example of a person who uh, was allowed to feel frustrated that I didn't have more time, that I was getting older and still felt unsure about when I wanted kids, that felt uh, frustrated that I n- knew that it was my choice to start trying, but knew it wouldn't really be my choice uh what the outcome was because our fertility is so often not within our control. And it's something we don't really know until we're trying. And then the outcome of that is incredibly permanent. I I wanted to also be a person allowed to like change their mind, to feel frustrated with infertility, to be devastated by a loss. I don't think that I jinx myself. I don't think that it's my fault. I think that we don't talk about these things enough. And that is exactly why we're left with these supernatural explanations for why things happen. Like I must have jinxed myself. I must not want it enough. I must not be being positive enough. I must not be relaxed enough. I hate that people feel embarrassed that they told people they were pregnant early and then miscarry. There's so much goddamn pressure on women already. And then we shame ourselves into overthinking the should and should nots of how our conversations may have ultimately correlated to our fate. There is no correlation. It is not your fault. At the risk of a, you know, a lot of anti-vax trolls, among other things. And just the general, I think, shock of that level of vulnerability for probably people that know me personally to do that so publicly. Like, I genuinely, genuinely care about not just wasting my breath on the airwaves, self-indulgently speaking about my own woes. But if I'm going to talk about my personal life, I want to be as honest as I can be in an effort to be an example of a person 
who gave themselves permission to be honest with themselves, gave themselves permission to be disappointed, to change their mind, to publicly not go back on what they said, but to say I've evolved. And this was hard. And just because I was eh about it in October doesn't mean my grief and experience were any less severe than anybody else. And it doesn't mean that my experience is any less valid than anybody else's. I don't know, you guys. Now it's getting late and you know when it gets late, I just... Oh, and my, uh, my, I guess my own existential tendency in my own way of like, I just start to think of, okay, if you're going to walk away from, them, from this, like, well, how do I want you to feel? What do I want you to know? I never want to be like cheesy or motivational. I just like want to be honest in that. Like, I, I just feel like we're up against a lot of unfair expectations that we built ourselves and that society uh, kind of holds us to in ways that wear on you over the years. And I just never want any, especially in the context of your choices surrounding your personal life. I just don't want you to feel like you owe anyone anything. And like, I'm deeply embarrassed of so many of the things I've said or done on this podcast. Like it's an intense experience airing your passing thoughts in a version of you that exists at a moment in time and immortalizing it before you had the chance to evolve or get more information to change your mind. And do the, do the, due to the nature of my job, people tend to tether me to my dispositions that I'll say in passing that I don't identify with anymore. Act like I'm riddled with hypocrisy when I've just simply grown. And I think a lot of people in our lives do this too. And it becomes really scary to be the person that, uh, does or doesn't want kids or is or isn't enjoying the process. I don't know. I just find like mother related things are a really weird performative dance of needing to act a certain way that people find palatable. And just as you have the right to change your mind, you have the absolute right to be like, no, I won't. This is what I want. <laughs> and it's just like at every turn, people expect you be the version of this woman that they need you to be to feel comfortable with your choices when your choices have no bearing on their life whatsoever. And I don't know, you just don't have to act or be or feel any one way. I just don't think you should have to answer to anyone. And there's a lot of weirdness and superstition. And I'd argue that's kind of adjacent to this manifesting conversation about how we act and talk about having children that I think is really fascinating I apologize. I suppose reading masochistic content about how perhaps I'm not thinking uh, positively enough about this. And that's why I'm in my position sent me a bit. I, I think in the context of somebody with like a tough pregnancy or medical issues or like an unexpected loss, it's, it's just as valid to say the highest of high expectations and the most positive mentality may not necessarily serve you either. Like there's no right way to be. There's no way to act that's going to prevent you from disappointment if it doesn't work out. There's no prerequisite to deserving the love and joy if it does. Uh, I just, again, want us to exist. <laughs> and I find that when women are going through the process of making an incredibly hard choice or the incredibly uh, daunting uh, emotional and physical process of trying to have children or having recently had one or of, of parenting, like the, the, in the most trying times of women's lives, either way it goes and these incredibly difficult decisions to make and to articulate to people in a way that doesn't make them question you. It's like the more pressure seems to be on you 
than ever to act a certain way, to be a certain way, to think a certain way, to feel a certain way, to tell or not tell people. And I'm just like, how crazy is it that the time when women need the most grace, patience, understanding, and deserve to do whatever the hell they want is the time when so many people feel like they need to act a certain way or else it means they must not be grateful. They must be doing something wrong. And actually, while we're on that topic, like, I need to wrap up soon, but it's worth mentioning that if you're a person that struggles with, in the context of manifesting, like anxiety or depression, or perhaps OCD, or like a mental health issue that may cause a level of distorted thinking or intrusive thoughts, which, by the way, are things I'd argue most of us have experienced at one time or another, it's worth noting that, like, it's important to be very careful with this narrative of the law of attraction in terms of its core takeaway being that your thoughts become your reality. Like, I don't know about you, but I, most people spend all their time in therapy trying to do one thing and one thing only, or just condition themselves to believe because it's true that their thoughts don't become their reality, that their thoughts aren't their reality. And I know the point of manifesting is like less about the thought and more so about manifesting the feeling. But if you're a person with anxiety, like your entire, <laughs> the entire thing, like the entire course of like treatment is helping, like ha having tools and ways to identify and to find peace in your thoughts, not always being rational. And like the law of attraction tells you, you can manifest good things into your life through positive thinking that your thoughts are your reality. What does that also suggest? That you will attract undesirable things through negative thinking, through catastrophic thinking. And that is not true. And that's really important and a really important distinction to make. And I was actually reading more about this. Um, hang on, I'm going to take the dog out, then I'm going to pep up. When you first familiarize yourself with this sort of principle, it almost reinforces the greatest fear of somebody who's already suffering um, from, you know, I've seen it most often referred to, like there's a Vice article I'll link in my work cited about um, implications of the law of attraction on mental health that specifically points to anxiety disorders, depression, and OCD. Um, and in that case, not to overgeneralize, because I'm not a professional either, but just to you know point out something, the law of attraction could be really empowering to a healthy person or detrimental to a person that is suffering because it's it would suggest that everything bad that's ever happened to you or to the people around you is your fault. Like I was reading about, um, I don't personally have OCD, um, but people can contain, this is from the Psych Central article, people, can, and I'll put it in my work cited, people have certain cognitive distortions. In other words, a tendency to think in certain irrational ways are more likely to develop OCD. And one of those cognitive distortions is called likelihood thought action fusion. Likelihood thought action fusion is a cognitive distortion that leads people to believe that the mere thought of a negative event increases the likelihood of it happening. Manifestation teachings such as the law of attraction are very similar to this cognitive distortion, which is a risk factor in developing anxiety disorders and OCD. And it's worth noting, like this goes on to say, like learning about manifestation will not cause OCD. 
but it's uh, can prevent like people from seeking help, from recognizing mental illness for what it is, and it can trigger OCD symptoms. I think things all the time that I don't want to be thinking, you know, and like, especially at night, my God, like, I hate the night. That's why I'm always up so damn late recording. Like I, uh, I admittedly, and I'm working through being better about being able to sit in discomfort with my own thoughts, uh, than to like avoid them entirely. And I, this is something I've definitely struggled with in think in like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this. I, I find it difficult when I'm in an anxious period of my life, I find it difficult to discern between my anxiety and my intuition. And I will convince myself all the time that things are going to happen that don't. And then things that like deep down, I think will happen, like sometimes do, but in an anxious moment, I'm not able to diagnose that feeling. And the best way I've heard it described is anxiety is fear and intuition is knowing, but even that's a little (laughs) abstract for me at times. Um, and I think a lot of people tell, like, have in retrospect, will uh, credit their intuition with something that, you know, might be more coincidental. And every single person that's successful is going to give you really frustratingly uh, basic advice to follow your gut <laughs> when it's like, I wholeheartedly agree in that most of the time my gut was right. And like Courtney and I will talk about this a lot. Like she's and she's worked with me for a while now and will pick up on when I have this like baseline hesitancy and then she's like, we're going with that because uh, but then sometimes I am in my own head and I'm making bad business decisions because I am really nervous and anxious and worried about doing the wrong thing. And like, I'm not making clear decisions. I don't know. I don't need to get into my own issues right now. But I, I guess my point is I can see how this gets murky and I can see how this could make people with certain, you know, distorted ways of thinking already uh, make them lean further into unhealthy thought patterns that overstate the power of their thoughts. I don't know. I am kind of also a big daydreamer. You know, I've talked about my main character a lot. Like if I'm, and I don't know if this is manifesting or law of attraction or what, like if I get in a moving vehicle or go on a walk with music or I'm on a plane or even walking through a busy airport, I by default will zone out and I will start to imagine myself in better circumstances. That's why I was so obsessed with main charactering when I first heard the term. I can and do recenter the narrative around what I hope happens when I feel a loss of control for what is happening. And I, and I'm sure many of you, like I live somewhere in between who I actually am and believing I'll become what I'm capable of deep down. And like a wise woman once said, how's one to know what we believe when the spirit meets the bones. I do feel like somewhere in between this really realistic, practical person that believes in, you know, science and taking care of your mental health and and being more pragmatic in our approach and the the problem when things get too lofty. Uh, But at the same time, I think as a person, I'm a seeker. I daydream a lot. I visualize myself in a lot of circumstances. I've taken a lot of risks kind of happily and, you know, I don't know if I've, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm a product of this or not. I believe in a lot of coincidences and synchronicities and stuff, but like, I don't actively practice this in any meaningful way, but I, I'd be lying if I said like a lot of the places I found myself, I aren't things I didn't envision for myself, but I think that's maybe more of a case for generalized focus and a level of confidence in what you're capable of and, you know, me being able to genuinely believe it over somebody who might believe they're 
perceived shortcomings over their potential, you know? And I mean, yeah, there's the element of like confirmation bias too. That's totally valid that I'm guilty of constantly, which is, it's a tendency to search for, to like interpret favor and recall information in a way that um, supports your prior beliefs or values. So it's like, like selecting or cherry picking information that supports your views, ignoring anything contrary. And when you interpret ambiguous evidence as, as supporting your existing perspective, your existing attitude, it's, it's basically setting everything up to serve your desired outcome, whether it meaningfully did or didn't. Um, It's, something that I think we all do in our lives, but specifically when you kind of get more familiarized with like universal concepts and you're being more intentional about manifesting. And, um, like I th- when I did the, um, the Pam something book, E squared, it gives you like exercises for how to like know that the universe is working for you. Um, and I like remember being like, Whoa, it's, cr- it kind of proves to you in a way that's like not attempting to be contrarian, but it kind of proves to you that like when you pay attention or focus on something, you start to notice something, you'll see more of it. And that's kind of powerful in and of itself, right? In terms of the importance of focus and, and awareness and, and and paying attention, you know? Um, and like, even, I just don't think this is all bad. Like, even if it's, a, there's a level of confirmation bias or there's a level of a placebo effect, like that is kind of its own form of manifestation. You believe something would work out in your favor or assist you in getting something. So it does. Then you believe that. So what? It doesn't hurt anybody. Obviously my issue is more so when this is like uh, pathologized to be unique to a person and something that like is, is charged for. And, um, in the context of manifesting, I was trying to think like, do I have anything helpful or anecdotal to like provide people about like my own experience with this sort of like law of attraction type thing? And I guess maybe my one argument would be, I don't know that it always has to be deliberate, like as calculated as maybe a lot of these experts suggest it needs to be. I think a lot of people do it in their own subtle ways all the time by being pretty confident and determined to make decisions that serve them. Uh, I think that I don't, when I, I, it just, it all feels so brick by brick and it all feels like something I would have never planned for because I wouldn't have known I could do this or this was an option for me. And I've been thinking about this because there's this trend about just talking to your younger self on TikTok. And I did a video because I was like, what's funny about my life is like my younger self would be, it would think I'm not well because my younger self would not have been like, oh my God, why would you leave your big job in the big city for for doormat company? We don't want to do that. Why? Like, oh, you wrote a book. We've always wanted to do that. That's awesome. But like, what's it about? Uh, influence? Like, what the hell is an influencer? Like, what, what the hell is a podcast? What the hell is any of this? Like, I would have been so disenchanted to the point where I would have sabotaged my own future because I would have lacked the context necessary to appreciate and value where I am now. So I think there's something important too about not being inflexible and hyper-focusing in your manifestations. I think if anything, my manifestation is more subliminal in that like, I've, I've had the luxury of, 
I think by being totally honest in a way that I hope you know is not meant to be like gloating or anything. Like it just, I, I'm trying to honestly think about this. Um, like, I don't know what I can attribute my career to my life to other than I've done exactly what I've wanted. And I've been in situations where I had the luxury of doing that, that I don't think other people are always in. My adult life, after school, I moved to a place where I hardly knew anyone and kind of started over. I kept so many of my old friends, but they weren't in my immediate day-to-day life in context. And the me I am now is still the same. But like, you know what I mean? Sometimes shedding yourself of a certain context empowers you to behave a little differently. That's more in line with like what, who you want to be, not who other people define you as. And then I met and, and married a person that effectively was a stranger that I ran into at a bar. Like we've no mutual friends. We've not like he was, you know, a random person. And we moved to a city where both of us didn't really. I mean, he knew more people from college. Like I didn't really know that many people. And I had this corporate career where I was like defined in this certain way. And then I felt really empowered by how much better I was at work than I ever was at school. And by the creativity my parents always really supported throughout my life and knowing I had these skills and uh, motivated, you know, by the vast array of self-help I was reading at the time to kind of pivot into this girl bossiness that honestly was like a little embarrassing because it was a doormat company. Like that wasn't that cool. It wasn't like I was starting a tech startup. I don't know how to describe this, but like the majority of my adolescence it felt so average and like I really wasn't going to do anything that great compared to the people I was around that were great in a sense of how they were rewarded um, by grades, by the school, by popularity, with boyfriend, like, you know, like I just, I was just like, eh, like, like blending grape. Then I became an adult and all of a sudden I felt like people were acting like I was really good at things. <laughs> And so much better at my job than I was at school. And I was able to start this company. And the thing that everyone says is so theoretically hard. But if, I mean, I had time and I had sunk a bonus from a corporate job that I got because of my college education. So, like, I knew I wouldn't have, I would have a roof over my head if if it didn't work. Like, that is a luxury. Um, And I did that. And I was like, oh, well, that wasn't that bad. (laughs) And... Then when I got to that point of like despair, where I couldn't get that job back that I thought I could go back to, where I didn't, it took me a long time to the courage to admit I didn't want to be doing the girl boss thing anymore. Um, When I was kind of back at square one, I think I had the luxury of all those times I was able to like reinvent and do exactly what I want and make decisions for myself that weren't really about making other people happy, that weren't about what other people thought of me or expected from me. I, I just have always done exactly what I wanted to do in a way that's maybe very selfish at times, but even like getting married in Italy, like I, I, I genuinely prioritize what's best for me and the most, the immediate people in my life that matter the most. And, and as much of a people pleaser as I can be like conversationally for the big things, I do what I want and I feel confident and, and feel I have the right to do that. And I, and I can't really attribute my career to much more than at every turn, even if it was embarrassing, doing exactly what I wanted. 
So I think what's funny is that my career is hard to explain to people because it doesn't follow a normal linear path, doesn't look like other people's. And I don't say that in that way that I think I'm like unique or special, kind of the opposite. It's like almost like what happens when you can't use a blueprint or you can't use a formula and you can't compare yourself to anybody else? What does a career look like when you're just trying to figure out how to do what you can with what you already have? (laughs) And all of the disparate things I've done, while to an outsider, are objectively obscure. To me, they make perfect sense when I think about the common threads and reasons I did those things. And they're true to they're so true to me to my core from when I was very young. And there's something important in that. It's not about manifesting what it is. I think it's about following what you already know to be true and feeling confident that brick by brick, however slow of a burn it is, it's just a lot less about finding yourself in a certain context that suits you and more about custom building the exact circumstance you want to be in and being flexible and that you do not know what that looks like oftentimes until you get there. And then it, to use another metaphor, hits you like a ton of bricks. And that's lofty pie in the sky advice that I kind of even hate that I just told you. But like when I tell you that the perhaps the apex of my career satisfaction that confusingly coincided with one of the saddest periods of my life, I was at like uh, track five. I mean, both of them really, but this specific moment was in New York because I think I just, I don't know, maybe I didn't believe like it wouldn't just be a one-off or something. Uh, And I changed a lot of the content for New York and more did more of what I wanted to say because like I was just very not feeling well and very nervous to be on stage in Chicago. Sorry to Chicago. Poor Chicago. You'll always be like my pilot market. <laughs> but I was just trying new things like very nervously. And then by the time I get to other places, I've like figured it out. But I just had this moment of like, holy shit, like how I had to leave the room. I was so overwhelmed. And I can honest to God say I haven't had many of these moments because you almost expect like you can anticipate like these milestone moments in your career where things kind of feel like they come together. But mine are always really random. And I had a really overwhelming feeling like walking into the room and realizing like everything in front of me was this hyper specific culmination of everything I had ever done or liked and wanted. And not in a way that I mean to brag, but like it's, it it was me doing PowerPoints, like my initial job in a creative way and obsessing over pop culture. Like I've done my whole life doing cheese ball wordplay and reading excerpts from books I had written and doing like data driven graphs about like Taylor Swift and like Alexis Bledel and like Lord knows what intellectualizing lighthearted stuff in the way that I like to deliver it in the context of the way I used to work paired with my love of something like pop music, my desire for something like building community as an adult, my, uh, hope that I can make people feel better by both validating their interests, having fun comedically, and by at times being comfortable. 
with exploring our depths and getting a little more serious. Well, I was in a Taylor Swift costume, <laughs> like watching people live their best lives, listening to music we all love and, and share. And we then just a room full of strangers that felt fully comfortable and like home. And I just, I don't, I don't, and like to nod back to the thing I said earlier, I don't want to jinx myself. It's not that I think I'm like at the peak of, of objective success. It's just that I almost couldn't even believe what I was experiencing in that like a home that you love because along the way you've picked up pieces that you like, that stuck out to you, that spoke to you. And therefore to your eyes, it's beautiful and it's perfect. I kind of felt like it was this culmination of a career that instead of abiding by a decor or design style or formula of somebody else to make it resemble something, I made it mine. And I was at an event that was so unique to the things that I love, care about, and want to share with you. And it wasn't about the, any like fanfare or interest in me. It was about like really just providing an atmosphere where people can share interests and enjoy themselves. And where we can talk about things that I think are kind of unique to us. And it just meant a lot to me. Especially when I've just really been having a hard time not feeling sad. And I fear even like I might take, I probably will take that out. Uh, Cause I just, I, I get nervous anymore. Cause I, I, I talk so much shit about the way other people share their stories. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think anyone really knows how to share their story in a way that is like incredibly truthful and straightforward and to the point about what they had, what they didn't have uh, in a way that like makes it repeatable or approachable to other people or realistic to other people. And like, the joke is like, people don't ask me about my career because they want it. I don't think <laughs> people ask me, it's like, what is this? Like, how did you do get the here? This is so random. And I'm like, I know, but like, I can't brag about like my greatness or skills. I just think I've done what I wanted. And I just don't know that other people are in the context where they have that liberty, but I had shed myself of a lot of context and allowed myself to reinvent and developed a tolerance to that ambiguity and to that resistance of, of other people and just made it a pattern to always be kind of just doing things and putting myself out there and cutting the noise out. And it allowed me to like just really deeply follow my own arrow to a point where I found myself in a position that was the convergence of everything I love in a way that is so gratifying. I'm sadly struck with paranoia about its sustainability. <laughs> I would have never, ever envisioned it. I would have never put it on a vision board. Because I think the reality of like most people's lives and careers is like, even though it's not a sexy story to tell, I just never have had explosive growth outside of the dormants. I've never like gone viral. Like I've had big episodes and I've had my moments, but like, I just, I don't, I haven't like, it's been slow and it's been consistent. And it's just an interesting thing where like, I don't feel like we talk enough about the slow burns and the brick by brick. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think I have any special skills. I think there's just a lot of, I think I just had a lot of freedom and not a lot of people have that. And I don't want to mislead people that like, it's that's hard to exercise in like a corporate job, but I couldn't get one back. So I didn't have a choice, you know, and it just started me on this path of like, okay, what do I like? And here we are. You being one of the things I very much like. Wow. I talked for too long. Okie doke.
Now I'm self-conscious. Well, like open me up and expose me to the sun. I feel like a bit of an asshole for like anything like self-gratifying. I just like find discomfort in. I hope you understand what I was trying to say. Um, anyway, you guys. What was I saying? I feel like I got on a tangent earlier before I talked about the mental health thing that I kind of lost. But oh, in the context of, yeah, like. Me feel, like I really do what this is something important to me, like I. I do want to get across like this idea that like we need to not overthink like this supernatural role <laughs> of like talking about our lives, our issues, speaking our truth of, of sharing with one another, especially as it relates to things like our, you know, issues as women our decisions as women. Like, like I said, I'm like so deeply embarrassed of so many of the things I've like said or done on this podcast, but like not an ounce of me is, is embarrassed or ashamed or feels like I asked for what happened to me. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed that I said I was on the fence and then expected people to understand me as I grieved for like the very same thing I seemed indifferent to months prior. And like, I will be damned if any woman who listens to this, who's had a rough go with any of the realms of pressure society puts on us, um, as women, like I'll be damned if any of you think that you manifested or willed a circumstance you're unhappy with, whatever's going on, like your job, your relationship, having kids, we, we, we have to let go of like harping on things being our fault of thinking we get what we deserve in a bad way. We can't think of ourselves as like unfortunate or unchosen or like perennially unlucky or as like somehow having willed bad circumstances into our lives. Like we're, we're, we're all dealing with shit and anybody who says they're not is just not being forthcoming about it. And I think we're all grappling with the pain of adjusting to like a life that doesn't live up to our expectations. I think that it's interesting when you think of it in the context of like being raised by boomers and like a generation that was more comfortable with like performing the optics of being this like happy, perfect nuclear family. Well, we know that wasn't the case. We kind of had these examples of what it looked like to grow up and to be happy and set those expectations up like accordingly as a child. But it's a painful process for anyone to, varying degrees obviously, but to adjust to a life that doesn't live up to our expectations, not because we're underperforming or anything's our fault, but because our expectations that a a naive architect, a child with no life experience. The way I imagined my life would go is by the hand of a person who couldn't possibly design a structurally sound life for me based on their lack of understanding of the world alone. The blueprint of my childhood expectations are so far off from, from where I am. I feel like I'm a weird millennial in a, in a, in a rehabbed hip airstream sitting outside a construction site being like, how did I get here? I was trying to build this for myself but like why am i <laughs> do i want the stability the permanence the grandeur like did it, why did i choose the career like did i choose the career version of a motor vehicle or did the motor vehicle life choose me like i don't know i might be my airstream like my metaphors goes off road but but point being i just think it's important that people remember that like life is pretty messy and complicated and we spend a shit ton of time plotting the avoidance of potential pain that's only to find out like it's entirely unavoidable. Only to go back through and try to figure out all the ways you could have avoided it. Well, we just can't. We spend a ton of time feeling like we've done something wrong. 
to fall short of our expectations. But our expectations like never had the the shelving to accommodate the weight of what real life rewards or burdens you with. And sometimes they worry like manifesting in this way and, and this constant focus on where we have scarcity, where we have absence is like this fixation on perfection and idealism and not like a relinquishing of those things, which I think is the more empowering thing to do as you get older. I I think the far healthier thing to do than to like hyper-focus on specifically what you want is to be flexible as life inevitably doesn't give it to you. And the areas where it does come to fruition, that's beautiful. And I'd argue it's more often in the form of things you that were happening around you that you maybe didn't even know were at play. People say to like release control to the universe and like, sure, I agree to an extent, but not with the agenda of getting everything you want with great specificity. I think with relinquished control of the universe with the agenda of you just being very well equipped to handle whatever comes your way and you'll make it out the other side alive and better off. I think focus is incredibly important in, in small incremental goals. Um, but I think people also forget the importance of revising your goals, your dreams, remaining flexible to the new challenges and opportunities that life presents you with. And under the delusion of the kind of control that you have to completely architect your reality, I almost worry you'd, worry you'd miss a lot that's out of focus. And some of the greatest things that have ever happened to me have been things I didn't even know to ask for. The ones I did ask for, like Dash Parcells Dog Wash, I didn't even get. I call this episode Manifest Density in a way that I hope people don't think I'm misspelling destiny. I just throughout this episode couldn't decide if I'm too dense to understand why this is so magical and important to people or too dense to make this a more straightforward conversation where I have one hard and fast opinion one way or the other. I just feel like this is like this confusing conversation where I said a bunch of conflicting things and that I brought density to instead of clarity. But actually, one moment of uh, clarity I just had is one of the more uh, profound moments in the spiritual space uh, in terms of my pop cultural education. One of my first points of entry to the secret, honestly, uh, was watching a program in 2010 on the E! Network called Pretty Wild. And Tess, uh, Alexis, and the gang, um, while dealing with their uh, woes involving like partying and Paul Oakenfold like weirdly DJing like a 12 year old's party and the bling ring and you know Nancy Joe, it's Lexus Nyers calling little brown BB shoes. All that aside, by the way, Alexis Nyers is now Alexis Haynes. She's been sober for 10 years, married for nine years, and recently has been talking about, which I think is really interesting, how she is this is how she self-described herself. Look at her on TikTok. She I think that's where she's gone through a lot of this. She self-described as bisexual, leaning more gay than straight, and her husband's super supportive um, of her sexuality, and they are in an ethical, non-monogamous relationship. And she seems to be thriving, and I'm happy to see her happy. Uh, she's she she growth, growth. I mean, uh, like, I'm amazed at her personal development post pretty wild. That was concerning at the time. And Tess lives in Wisconsin and has children. I mean, happy for them. Um, I think they're both sober, actually. But anyway, not the point. 
one of the my first point of entry to the secret was actually on this show because the mom was a devout practicer of what I don't even can you even call the secret of religion but they would like when they were going through all those things they would like get in a circle and come together as a family and I don't know if they were doing mantras or they were in technically in prayer or whatever it was but they had this like version of amen that would close out their gathering and they would say and so it is and I never forgot that. And I always thought it was interesting. I didn't really know where it was from at first. Um, but I guess it's kind of the same thing I would say to close this out. Because I, I know nothing. I don't know what will happen. I don't know why things that have already happened have ended up that way. I don't know if we're on the right track with manifestation. There seems to be validity in its linkage to what we know of quantum mechanics. But in a sense, but also a lot of nonsense as it relates to its you know practical application and communication via influencers we talked about today exploitation. I think different people and different souls could all be slightly different and see different things and slightly different realities and on different frequencies. Like who the hell knows? Maybe one religion is right after all. Maybe we're all in Elon Musk's simulation. Maybe I'm in the process of making a CVS level lengthy itemized receipt that my soul will use to showcase all the ways in which I violated my contract about what I should be doing or saying in this life to be helpful or to meaningfully contribute. Like, I really don't know. I have a lot of questions. I'll always have questions. I know no answers. And I panic when I get off the mic that I didn't speak clearly or add value or appear to be a know-it-all more so than I know. But I have to release it from here and hope for the best. And whatever it is that's making you feel tense or uncertain, I hope you'll do the same. What else can you do? There's a lot we'll never know. There's a lot we'll never be able to control. Uh, but in this moment, we're all right, you know? No matter what was or what will be, all we know for now is what is. And so it is. And as always, let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. 